Good morning. You're listening to WECB, the underground sound of Emerson College. Welcome to Vibe Shift. We are Isabel, Mena, Issa, and Morgan. We are four pals that talk about music through media every week, and we pick a show or movie and discuss that soundtrack. All right. This week, we are going to be <laughs> Sorry, guys. We keep saying all right a lot. Um, so if and you... So Mena has started a counter. So please, everybody hold us accountable today. <laughs> um, but this week, we are going to be talking about La La Land. Woo. All right. Yeah. So... <laughs> oh, did it again. I apologize. So La La very Land... Very well then. <laughs> yeah, very well then indeed. La La Land came out in 2016, and it follows the story of Mia and Sebastian. Uh, they're just like two 20-somethings trying to figure out their dream. Um, Mia wants to be an actress, and Sebastian wants to open his very own jazz club. We follow their love story as they... They have these up and downs and they kind of are trying to find themselves while also trying to find place for each other in their lives. And it's just, it's heartbreaking, but it's also beautiful. And I think anybody can learn a lot about themselves and love just from watching this film. So we're going to kick it off with Another Day of Sun from the La La Land cast.
wanted to just quickly talk about the opening of the show. We wanted to talk about the opening of seed of the film, which um, had this uh, song playing in the background. And we just wanted to quickly discuss it um, because it's a really iconic opening scene um, with the coloring and just the blocking and the general dance number of the entire thing. Um, it sets a tone for the entire film. And, and yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was what we wanted to say. Yeah, it's an amazing start to a movie. I will say, I know I might be a film major, but I have never watched La La Land before this weekend. And it was an incredible start to a movie. Um, I was blown away. I thought the shots were amazing. I thought the lighting was amazing. The coloring. My film major will be coming out this episode. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I really like, I think this was a really good way to like set the tone of like, or set the tone of like the movie and then what you kind of expect to see. And then also like how the, you know, tone ends up shifting throughout it as well. But anyways, we're going to go on next with somewhere in the, someone in the crowd with Emma Stone and Kelly Hernandez and Sonia Mizuno and Jessica Roth. Thank you, Morgan. <laughs> you got the invitation, you got the right address. You need some medication, the answer's always yes. A little chance encounter could be the one you've waited for. Just squeeze a bit more. Tonight we're on a mission, tonight's the casting call. If this is the real audition, oh God, help us all. You
right. And that was that was your one all right, Minna. That was your all right. That was someone in the crowd. And we just want to quickly talk about this sequence because it truly is something magical, especially in the cinematography. Now, I'm not a film bro, mm-hmm. but I can talk about there are some <laughs> continuous shots because yeah. Issa and Morgan were like, is that a continuous shot? Well, we were watching. All right. The one takes were beautiful. Yeah. No, it is It is amazing the things that they were able to accomplish while they were shooting this film. Um, I I think that the music and just like the camera, the way the camera moves, this is the, I'll be so real with you. The reason why I wanted to be a filmmaker was because I went to go see La La Land in the theaters and I was like, oh my God, wait, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And now I'm at Emerson College. So <laughs> oh, crazy how that works. Um, but yeah, so I just like, the colors, the the, color. the the way they dance, like guys, it's amazing. Like it's just, oh, it's so beautiful. They're just four gals. They are just, just four gals. Like us. Just like oh, us. MG. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, us and we have our apartment one day, guys. It'll be we'll us. Get it one day. <laughs> I don't know if Morgan, you wanted to touch on the color theory a little bit because I know that you were talking about like the costume con- continuity throughout the film. Um. I'll I I just I will say that I think like the monochrome looks just they they're so potent and you'll notice that like um especially like Emma Stone throughout the film like she'll just she'll just wear like one color and it'll just be her color like as like the seasons go on you can also notice the way her colors change like in the spring she's wearing this like lovely little yellow dress is what she wears during actually um a lovely night and then she has that really cute purple dress that we were talking about and it's just like it's all just like they they have like colors assigned to them and like tones of colors and you just you just watch as this kind of like develops throughout the film. For those of you who haven't seen the scene, it's something else. Like it really truly like it walks you through their entire apartment as they're doing their little like girly get ready with me sesh, which is really cute. Mm-hmm. Um and not only that, but they're like doing their little choreography and it's just a lot of fun and I think it's like it it says something about like friendships that you make in your 20s and like kind of the magic that surrounds that even though it seems very mundane and I think that that's a lot of what La La Land is it's like making the mundane magical and with that we've got Mia and Sebastian's theme enjoy friends
So, uh, sorry about the <laughs> the intense vibe shift between uh, me and Sebastian Steam and Take On Me. But, you know, we had to do it to you. Aha! Right. <laughs> <laughs> we got you! It's the way it is in the film, and so therefore we had to give you guys the same emotional whiplash. Um, mm-hmm. But circling back to me and Sebastian's theme, we did want to talk about it because it is a motif throughout the entire film. It is like, yeah. it's the theme of the characters. <laughs> and it's beautiful. It is gorgeous. I adore it. (laughs) I think it's like genuinely such like a pretty and dreamy song. And I never like watched this movie besides like a few days ago. I watched it for the first time and it was lovely. But I've always like loved this song. I listen to it all the time because it's just so, so like calming and just like visual, you know? Yeah. It's Uh so beautiful. I feel like somehow this, um, who, who composed it? Justin Hurwitz. They were able to capture just that like longing for love feeling, but also it does have that like I don't know. There's something like anticipating about it in the sense, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's got like that. I don't know. It just it feels like falling in love and like that new beginnings thing, but also like there's like the heartbreak aspect to it. He fit yeah. just all the emotions in those little piano notes. It's so beautiful. I've also listened to this song all that a lot of the times by myself. It's just like it's just so beautiful. Like. I, I think they really did an amazing job with it. Yeah, I mean the words have been said, guys. I um I I, I agree. The song is is absolutely gorgeous. Um it's something about it will just always make me so nostalgic and just just like Issa's right. Like like there's just like the like the romance but also like the hopelessness, but also like it just drips off this song. Like it is just it is beautiful. Um does anybody have anything they like to say about take on me? I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I wanna quickly talk about me and Sebastian before I go on to take on me but um, I was going to say there's a very like ineffable quality about like the whole composition and I think there's something really special about somebody who can compose a song that feels just like an abstract concept but very specific at the same time I think that it feels so me and Sebastian it feels like their story and it feels like we're like just through that song you can kind of get the vibes of their relationship and how it's you know not des- they're not destined to be together they're not meant to be together and yet it also feels just like that like Issa was saying like that abstract concept of falling in love and so I think I don't know I think that's special um, and I think that that's what makes the theme the best um, but yeah going on to Take On Me uh, what a crazy vibe shift good for them <laughs> love a good cover band and that is the song that plays when me and Sebastian re-meet after he plays me and Sebastian's theme <laughs> yeah uh, it was reading this for Iran we thought that uh, <laughs> Take On Me was a little bit more iconic um, you really I think this is the first time where you see how they could interact together and I think just like just like watching their like banter back and forth and how quick they are with each other it's just like how could you not like wish for something more between the two of them as Some you watch. Might say they're just too goofy. <laughs> they are just too goofy, guys. And with that, we've got a lovely night with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. The sun is nearly gone. No lights are turning on. A silver shine that stretches to the sea We've stumbled on a view That's tailor-made for two What a shame Those two are you and me Some other girl and guy love this swirling sky but there's only you and I and we've got no shot this could never be you're not the type for me and there's not a spark inside what a, a waste of a lovely night Something clear. I think I'll be the one to make that call. But you'll call. And though you look so cute in your polyester suit, it's wool. You're right. I'd never fall for you at all. And maybe this appeals to someone not in heels, or to any girl who feels there's some chance the wrong. 
that's so Or it could be less than nothing Good to know, so you agree That's right What a waste of a lovely We're back. All right. So that was Hermit's Habit uh, by Justin Hurwitz. All right, Jar Morgan. <sighs> I'm so sorry, guys. It just, it just comes out. I can't stop it. How dare you try to suppress me? <laughs> well, yeah, that was Hermit's Habit. And um, I personally really love... Okay, let me talk about the jazz in this, this part right now. All right. You know what? Sebastian might be kind of the worst, arguably, like very clearly. Yeah. Like he's kind of really annoying. He's right. The jazz goes so no, hard in this does. Okay? Like, the history of jazz is really, really interesting. And you know what? I get why he hyperfixated on it. Um, I think that this scene is really cool and shows just, like, the dynamic qualities that go into jazz and, like, the collaborative process and the improvisation. And just, I think it's something mm-hmm. really magical. Not to, like, nerd out and sound, like, whiplashy, but, like, um, you know, I think that 
it's really interesting like seeing all the fills and like seeing how like the musicians interact together is just it kind of parallels the way mm-hmm. that me and Sebastian also interact with each other it's very like tat tat like it's very like I don't know it flows really well together the same way that jazz does and I think that that's like part of yeah. why Sebastian loves their relationship so much. no exactly like it's exciting for him it brings the energy that he he like seeks in jazz you know so it's just yeah you're sorry I've never actually never made that connection for that was, Minna. That was beautiful Minna I'm yes. I'm like <laughs> wow also I'm a jazz supporter I think jazz is great it's so cool <laughs> no, she's like she's like don't hit me but I'm a jazz supporter we got a bunch of jazz fans in the studio today. in the wise words of Barry B. Benson you like jazz you like jazz <laughs> Okay, but can we also talk about A Lovely Night? Because that oh, yeah. sequence is amazing. Oh, yeah, amazing. I literally, guys, stop me in the street. I do have a La La Land tattoo. Um, it's true. From, from, it is true. <laughs> hearsay. But I, I do have a, um, a La La Land tattoo from this, from A Lovely Night. Um, uh, the tattoo or the song? <laughs> um once again, this is another continuous shot, or at least if there is cuts, they hide them amazingly. Oh, well, the it is shots were it is amazing. Just the the choreography, the way they interact with each other, you know. The I love the sequence where he keeps kicking the dirt on her foot. Like it's just <laughs> it's like they're just children. Like they're children. Like the way they interact with each other, it's just it's so pure. I, I love it. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, yeah, I think and this this song does exactly what you needed to do. Like it exactly. furthers along the the, re- the development of their relationship, the relationship yeah. perfectly. Oh my gosh, no, it's perfect. And also, just like it's so beautiful, overlooking like the Hollywood um, background mm-hmm. and like the sunset. Like the entire shot itself, or the entire sequence itself, is just like perfection. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason it's the poster. <laughs> and with that, we've got the lovely city of stars. Thank you. 
that was um, But of City of Stars by Ryan Gosling and then Planetarium by Justin Hurwitz. Yeah, let's talk about that planetarium sequence real quick. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. It is. A little goofy. Yeah. But, I mean, I thought the visual was really cool. No, for sure. I think um, Griffin's Observatory is a beautiful, oh, and yeah. I love how they call back to Rebel Without a Cause, you know, because mm-hmm. they have their first date there, and um, just watching them drive up there, and I don't, you know. That was really like, cool. That was really cool. This is the one part of the movie where I'm like, obviously we're breaking reality because not only do they break into the Griffin Observatory at night with not a not a soul around, um, no it's at least 11 p.m. because the movie wasn't even starting until 10 p.m. on Monday yeah. night. Um, so, and then they just fly around the planetarium, you know, they soar and flying. They they do be soaring and flying. This is our second week where we start breaking out of high school. This musical. is my <laughs> second week making a high school musical reference. I am sorry. Don't apologize. And as you should. And actually, that's a quickly promo reminder. We're going to be doing a Disney Channel original movie episode, and you should all tune in. So Isabel can talk her, her noise. <laughs> talk my noise. I will be. <laughs> But also circling back to City of Stars, I want to quickly mm-hmm. go on a little rampage and say when this song came out, the chokehold that it had on society as a mm-hmm. whole, crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. But specifically for me, the Dodie version. Guys, shout out Dodie. <laughs> I love her so much. Um, she changed the song for me forever. Um, her little YouTube cover with the, like, I think there was a ukulele. Probably. I mean, I was like, it's always ukulele Dodie. <laughs> Um, genuinely changed my entire life. I yeah. think that the song is so magical um, in its own self. And then having a singer you love, like, sing it is obviously mm-hmm. very special. But I think that this song is, like, the quintessential, like, Hollywood, like, struggling in your 20s song. Yeah. No, like- I think you can feel how insecure Sebastian is when he sings this because he's like, he's like, you know, like, I don't know if I should pursue this because, like, I don't want to be hurt again. I think there's also something to say about like the way he sings the, the lines. I don't know if he got like vocal training or anything, but I think that the way that he sings the line, um, Are You Shining Just For Me, is so like heart-wrenching. It's just heart-wrenching and beautiful. It's like genuinely heart-wrenching because you're just like, are you shining for me? I don't know. Like, is there space for me? Is like mm-hmm. basically the question. And I think that there's something like... Oh, I don't know. Just yeah. like so heartbreaking about it because like we all are like creatives and we all want to do something in a creative industry mm-hmm. and like that feeling of is there space for me is a universal one. Yeah, for yeah artists, exactly. So. No, I agree. Um, all right, so I think we're gonna skip down to "Start a Fire" by John Legend. Something's taking over me And I just know I feel so good tonight I don't know what your name is But I like it I've been thinking about some things I want to try I don't know what you came to do But I want to do it with you Feel so good tonight Oh, if we keep on dancing 
That was Start a Fire um, by John Legend. This song, I think it really just, it, it just shows the beginning of the end for them. It really just, because you can see that Sebastian, as much as she was like, do you like the music you're playing? You can tell that his heart is just not in it the same way it would be if he were to be playing at, like real authentic jazz. And especially the part in this, the sequence when she's getting separated from him in the crowd and you can watch as she gets just, pulled off and he and the crowd is just coming towards him it is so beautiful because you just know as you're watching this that 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 they're getting separated and that this is the beginning of the end for them yeah i also think it's really interesting um i know that we like kind of talked when we were watching the film we were talking about the interesting casting choice of john legend but Mm -hmm. i also honestly think that like this is a it was like really like important for the times i think john legend was making massive waves like in the mm-hmm. music industry and so i think it was cool to include him um but on top of that i think that the storyline was a really important commentary on like art and how it's like cons- like it's made for consumers and like consumerism mm-hmm. yeah. and like that as a whole is like diluting art in order to make it palatable to a like general audience and i think that that's like a massive part of why like Sebastian was trying to revive jazz and like oh jazz is dying like we need to save it and like all this other stuff and I think that I don't know this song being such a complete vibe shift for lack yes. of a better word um, from the rest of the soundtrack is such an important part of that storyline no exactly I, I think it is supposed to hit you over the head with how different it is because mm. everything else is just so like natural piano bass you got like the trumpet you have just like real brass and in like instruments and everything and just like everything here is so electronic and it, it it takes you out of the movie in a way that's just like that's like so jarring and I think like John Legend's character just his character is meant to be there and I every time I watch this movie I'm like I'm like I'm like whoa every time he comes on I'm always just like oh there's Keith he's here <laughs> he's here um but yeah no it is it is jarring and I totally understand like what they are going for with that yeah. And now, coming up, we've got Audition by Emma Stone. I remember she used to come home and she would tell us these stories about being abroad. And I remember she told us that she jumped into the river once, barefoot. She smiled, left without looking and tumbled into the sand the water was freezing she spent a month sneezing but said she would do it again Here's to the ones who dream Foolish as they may seem Here's to the hearts that ache Here's to the mess we make a feeling sky with no ceiling the sun set inside a frame she lived in her liquor and 
died with a flicker. I'll always remember the flame. Here's to the ones who dream. Foolish as they may seem. Here's to the hearts that So that was audition. Um, this part of the film is is when um, Mia's just kind of down on her luck, and she's just thinks she's just gonna give up on on her dream because she's she has so much rejection. She's she's just it's been doing. I think she said for six years, and she was never able to to really get a lasting part. And she goes back home to Boulder City, I think Nevada, and. Um, Sebastian chases after her and he's like no like you have to do this like you got this call like this is your big break and he um he brings her back and she does this audition and she gets it and I think they know in their heart of hearts that this is the end for them and they're just they're just not compatible I also okay that was a beautiful speech Morgan but I did want to like goof and gaff a little bit because it sounded like the breakup speech in Whiplash <laughs> okay I hate I've made multiple Whiplash references because I recently watched it and he's like you're gonna do what I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do and you're gonna do what I'm you're gonna do and we're gonna go our separate no, ways no because that, hold that is the That's undertone like, that, that is, is the, the undertone, undertone of the scene which is crazy because mm-hmm. it's taken so differently in this one because they mm-hmm. have this just mutual understanding as artists it's like mm-hmm. oh we can't grow as artists if we are together which is a, a crazy statement first yeah. of all but like I don't know. I think that, you know, people who would have been, like, made for each other would have made it work, but they just didn't. Like, they didn't even try, which is a crazy thing to me. But I Mm -hmm. think that it kind of shows either their defeatist attitudes or Sebastian, sorry, specifically, or just, like, their understanding, like, this underlying, like, feeling that they weren't meant to be together the entire Mm -hmm. time, which I think is a more interesting take. I also think, like, you know, as heartbreaking as it is, like, both of them also just like they didn't want to have the other one give up on their dreams as well mm-hmm. you know and i think it's yeah know, it's it's definitely like heartbreaking but also uh-huh. just a sense of just like you know like these are dreams that they've had for like ever and it's yeah. just like you know they were able to accomplish them um, mm-hmm. but just like being together like what wasn't able to like fit into that equation yeah i think that mia knew 
when he signed the contract to go work with Keith that their relationship was never really going to work long term because he mainly signed that contract just I think because he was so tired himself of not feeling successful and having everyone in his life like his sister look down upon him and he didn't want to bring her down that path with him and I think when she saw how burnt out he was and how much he didn't like what he was playing she knew that it wasn't going to work between the two of them guys question is this is this right person wrong time or is it like i right i person like different time i like, don't you know what i mean i don't think so like i don't think like sure they have like that really good banter but i don't think we see much else like i think it's like everything that we see between them keep in mind their actual relationship is only i think like four or five months wow. So it's it's just like the honeymoon phase. Like they're just enamored with each other. And I think this is like you're seeing like the first time that each of them have another artist in their life. Besides like, you know, Mia has her roommates, but this is someone who she can connect with on a deeper level, who understands the pain that she's dealing with, and understands her frustration. And I think, you know, I don't think that they were ultimately really would have ever worked together. Okay, wait. Yeah. So what about oh no, Isabel, you go. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, you can see, like, the way they're probably not the right people for each other and the way they, like, handle the first sign of conflict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, <laughs> these two just, like, cannot communicate with each other. And communication yeah. is such a strong, like, foundation in a relationship. And it's just, it's not going to work out for them. I also think that, I don't know, I think that the realism in this movie is the reason this isn't right person, wrong time. I don't think right person, wrong time exists in the real world. I, I really don't. I, I, I think that there are a select few people that it does apply for, but for the majority of people, don't backslide to your ex. This is my advice segment. Don't backslide to <laughs> your ye, ex. Hear don't ye. do that. <laughs> hear ye. Um, but genuinely, like I, I don't think that in real life that exists. I don't think it does. And I think that while there are really like fantastical and like fictional elements of this you know they fly in the planetarium um i think that in the it's in a basis and it's rooted in reality and like the Mm -hmm. heartbreaks of reality rather than this fantasy that they would have worked like there's that one moment like the you know in the epilogue where they're fantasizing Mm -hmm. about what could have been if things had gone differently but they didn't yeah and i think that's the baseline of the Mm -hmm. entire thing it's not that they're longing for that future it's mm-hmm. that they they're, recognize that this couldn't have gone any exactly yeah. i think they're longing you know i don't i don't know if they're longing for what could have been sensei i think like that look that they share at the end when they both turn around to each other i don't it's not a look of longing it's a look yeah. of saying like hey i remember you and you know you were a really informative part i learned a lot about myself during when we were together and I think they just have mutual respect for each other. Yeah. You know, like if he were to be still in love with her, I mean, this man would see her face everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, he does see her. He face sees everywhere. her face everywhere. Yeah. He walks past the billboard and she's there. You know, so I think it's just like they've just they both ha- are on different tracks in their lives, and I just I don't think that it ever would it should have ever intersected again. Yeah. Yeah. 